0: And So he would always ask me, like, you enjoy it? I'm like, yeah, because each day is a puzzle and you never know what's going to walk through that door.
1: What's up, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Unfit, a healthy-ish podcast. I'm Allie. I'm Sam, and today we're talking to our friend Chris Durr, who's an athletic trainer at the University of Maryland. He went to Ithaca with us. Um, we're good. Go pals. bombers! Yeah, I don't think we talk about it too much, but he was uh, some one of my favorite memories of Chris Durr. I have many, but um, <laughs> I don't know if you set up for him to like swoop in and save us on my 21st birthday, but he showed up at the bar as it was closing on my 21st birthday and drove like a whole boatload of girls back to our apartment do you remember that and I don't know who I didn't call him I didn't set that up actually maybe it was Alex but he's a great guy yeah, someone one of those friends who yeah I feel like always swoops in at the right moment to save you <laughs> and I feel that way about him now even to this day kind of um sam and i were just talking about this uh it's funny you say that actually (laughs) you know sometimes you need to like call a friend who you haven't talked to in a minute and this was actually the first time we've caught up in a second but he is somebody who you know once in a while i pick up the phone just to catch up with and um you know he's always got like encouraging words and whatnot today what we're talking about is his career as an athletic trainer what that means, how it's different from other trainers, um, what he wished he knew as a student athlete and what it is like uh, working at the collegiate level. So a little bit different from conversations we've had in the past. We're opening it up to that athletic field and um, talking about health and wellness in those terms. So super fun. Um, what was I going to say? Rewinding it. Oh, yes. So I've been walking in the mornings because it's snowy, so I can't really run. And today, the last couple of days, I feel like I've been lucky because I can do the snow and I can do the cold if there is sunshine. And today right. I left the house at a couple of minutes after seven. And so the sun wasn't out yet. I wasn't sure if it was quite coming. But I walked a block or two and I could slowly see the sky getting pink and I it just made me so happy. And I don't know why, I guess it, there was just enough snow that I felt like I was in a winter wonderland, but something about the air just reminded me of Quebec. I know that's so random, but in high school I used to do a Quebec trip every year and I thought, oh, I'd really like to go back and hang with the Quebecois. Anyway. That was my morning. Happy Just very
2: crisp air.
1: We are recording this on Thursday morning. Sam, what's tonight?
2: What is tonight?
1: Oh, come on. Okay, I'll give you a hint because I had to buy something because I saw it and I thought, oh, I need that.
2: Right? Look at my shirt. Oh, oh my God. I-, I keep forgetting, and you know why? Okay, Summer House premieres. Yeah. Tonight, thank <laughs> God. I keep forgetting because I got logged out of the Bravo app on our TV. Oh, no. Because it was Belen, my roommate, logged in, and I just haven't logged back in. <laughs> so I see, I follow all of them on Instagram. Right. And I see their posts every single day, and I keep going like, oh, Yeah. Uh, that'll come eventually Mm -hmm. gotta wait all the way to february now it's now we're here and um so
1: credit to sam and belen for getting me hooked on summer
2: house because i'll give credit to belen not me i
1: was actually uh (laughs) dming with um friend of the pod this morning lauren hall who actually sent me something about well another bravo show thing and um I was just saying how I feel like it's a gateway drug because I've never watched Bravo before either, but I feel like it's a relatable show because they are like living and working in the city. It is, and
2: Yes, it is the most relatable, I think, for us because they like, yeah, they live and work in New York City and then on the weekends, but except for this season, they're quarantined in the house. So, so I'm very be excited to see how that works out. Yeah. Uh, the trailer looks
1: awesome. I'm ready to jump in. I'm very excited. I've been very excited. So-
2: this is like the Lover Boy shirt. Allie's wearing her Lover Boy tee. So I bought this. Says 2021. <laughs> should be fun.
1: Of December, but that's not even the funny part. The back. Oh. What do you think the back says?
2: I'm, there's no um, way I'm not gonna like. 2020, not does it say not fun? Because <laughs> <Not
1: fun. laughs> you know the scene where Kyle's like, "Summer should be fun, Amanda. Not fun." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So
2: yes, very such, excited about that!
1: Looking forward to that. I think I'm going to take a a little lunch break today to run to the
2: wine store and get some Hamptons ooh, water. That's a good idea, aka rosé. The one of the reasons I think what makes watching the show so enjoyable is that you are watching a group of friends enjoy their summer in the dead of winter, and it really just makes you so excited about summer, even though that's in so many months, right? <laughs> I know (laughs) it will not be that warm for a while we're just talking about snow (laughs) but um yeah I got I should pick up something to to watch it with I do have to go to the grocery store anyway okay add it to the
1: list I don't think I can get lover boy here in Buffalo so not even gonna try but you might be able to find it in New York I would bet
2: yeah, I don't know if I could find it at my local grocery store, just because it's like a smaller place, but I have never actually looked for it. Anywhere. I'm sure if you
1: went on their website, they have like a locator, if you care that Tractor. much. I
2: I care about those things for <laughs> themed events, so. When Allie supports a brand, she fully supports the brand.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So Labat, get at me for that sponsorship. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking of... Catching up with an old friend, I finally caught up with a friend from home and we just FaceTimed my friend Adriana. And it's, she's someone who I'm like always meaning to call. And then like weeks will go by yeah. and I'm like, oh, I'm bothering her. Like, I don't wanna, I don't wanna, you know, like intrude, blah, blah, blah. And then every time we chat, I'm so happy afterwards. And the conversation we were having was about how. One of her good friends is married and is the same age as us. We all went to high school together. And she and her husband are, they bought a house and they were looking for, this is funny, they were looking for home insurance and the person who they ended up contacting at State Farm is Jill's brother. (laughs) So we were just talking about how like, Even though we're all 25, 26, we're in such different stages of our lives, which is cool but also crazy (laughs) because I remember being in high school and being like, just thinking about when my mom got married and would I be, you know, at that point of my life at the time that she was when it was, you know, when she was going through it. And the answer is no. (laughs) Yeah. So... Um, yeah, but if you have been thinking about calling a friend and you've just been putting it off for no good reason, just call them, text them, and say, hey, can I call you this weekend? And then just do that, because, uh, yeah, it's it's good, and I've been alone for a while now. My roommate's finally coming home this weekend, so what's up, Blen, Exciting. if you're listening? Is she um, actually, though? I thought maybe with the
1: snow that would throw her off course.
2: I think, I think she's coming Saturday, um... Unless it's gonna snow again, it's gonna rain. I don't exactly know what the weather rain today because today's Friday. Yeah, (laughs) but um, yeah. So it it's just it's good to connect with someone that you know you don't you don't talk to every single day. So if you've been looking for a sign to do that, do that. Yeah, I gotta
1: call Dana this weekend. The sign is that she texted me and said, "Let's talk this weekend."
2: (laughs) (laughs) Very direct, clear sign. But I
1: have been meaning. I have
2: a meaning to call her. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Well, that's it for us. We'll get into this week's episode with Chris Durr. Please enjoy. Chris, where are you? Well, welcome to the show, Chris Durr. <laughs> so lovely to have you. Yeah. Let me turn on my announcer radio voice. Oh, here welcome we go. Back.
0: Um, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, right. Every once in a while, I just make sure that I still remember the station's phone number. I don't know if Allie does this i think it's really strange and nerdy but 607 274 correct yeah. <laughs> sometimes i just quiz myself because you know i miss it but um we are here with chris der athletic trainer please correct me if there are any letters that come after your name and you're coming to us from the the dmv maryland area
0: yeah 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 All no right. uh college park good old university of maryland college you know, Park. i
2: know a ton of people from my high school who went to umd go terps yeah um okay i so don't let's... but i think that's a cool area <laughs> it's, it's it, nice it's, uh... it looks like a really fun place to go to college that's like, what I've i heard. think it would be a little much for me i'm more like big fish small pond kind of girl mm-hmm. <laughs> so it goes great but um yeah like college park uh, penn state UD, like, all those schools that, like, so many people from my high school went, and they love them. Um, anyway, I want to start with, first of all, you're an athletic trainer. Can you tell us what an athletic trainer does and what the difference specifically is between an athletic trainer and maybe, like, a personal trainer, group fitness instructor, physical therapist – because we've had a range of people on the show so far, and everyone kind of has a different specialization, so maybe you can start there. It's a great
1: question, because yeah, yeah. to
2: be honest, I hope we I've been know. very supportive of
1: your career, but <laughs> I don't know what I've been supporting.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, you know, we get asked that a lot, and people always confuse us with the personal trainer, and that's a whole different, you know, thing. You know, anyone um, can call themselves, there are certifications for personal training, but You know, you can have Joe Schmo, you know, guy that wants to work out in the gym, go work out at a gym and typically they can be like, oh, I'm hiring as a personal trainer versus someone who actually has credentials and there are credentials for that. But when you hear athletic trainer, it's a licensed healthcare provider. You know, any day I walk into the building and I'm in the training room and I can deal with anything from, you know, a paper cut from someone going through school or um, spline boarding someone trying to save their life, keep them from dying on the field. And so it's, you know, we're kind of like the Swiss army knives of, yeah! The wow. Field. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, Wait,
2: I mean the range. My yeah.
1: God! So he just got <laughs> to clarify, for those who might not totally know, how much schooling did you go through?
0: So I, it's just actually switched over. So I went through the classic four years of undergrad, um, and I got my bachelor's in exercise science em- or emphasis in athletic training, and I got it from Ithaca. And I took my BOC, which is a certification exam, and I got certified by our Board of Athletic Trainers to say I am, as a professional like said, said, minimally qualified to protect the public, you know. And so once I got that, and I then went to Indiana, I got my master's, and getting a master's is optional, but now the entry-level degree is a master's, and if you want to work at the collegiate or the higher-end settings, professional settings, you pretty much have to have a master's. Most schools won't even, they'll say, like, the preferred qualifications are a master's, but it's... Mm-hmm. pretty much the minimum qualifications at that point. And so I got my spent two years there, got my master's, and then now I've just finished up my second year as the resident athletic trainer of football here at Maryland.
1: Nice. And I also want to reiterate, not that I know personally, and I also don't know what your master's experience was like specifically, but I know our time at Ithaca, you were always in the library. Didn't matter <laughs> what library day or the it was, field, one or what the other. time of Day or night. Yep. I think I called you many a Friday, Saturday night to come pick me up while you were studying in the library. So <laughs> you studied hard. That's not an easy degree. And actually, I did have... Um, I mean, I think a lot of people probably go in into any degree and then leave it. But I know a couple people specifically who started with exercise science and then kind of freaked out and said, whoa, I can't handle all of this. So it's not like the... Not that television and radio was easy, but we were maybe having a lot of fun making our dumb movies and that sort of thing, like music really, videos
2: versus saving someone's yeah. life on a field who got injured <laughs> while playing. So I, I just want to give you that credit. Yeah. And you do make it sound more uh, casual and nonchalant, but you put you put the work in and uh, and here you are now. What made you want to do this in the first place? Like why, why, why Ithaca, why athletic training, why?
0: So this is uh, this is gonna be a hysterical. You guys are gonna laugh at me for this one. Um, story time, I, story time. <laughs> so, you know, everyone, when you ask other athletic trainers, they're like, why do you wanna be in it? And it's the same like with physical therapists. They're like, oh, I was injured. I, you know, didn't get back to where I was, so I wanna help others. Or, you know, I had this moment of injury that really sparked my interest. I did not have that. You know, we had athletic oh. trainers at high school. So I kinda knew what they did. Um, and I knew what to go to them for, but I was coming down to like my senior year and I was stuck between like Syracuse for like sports management or something and like uh, athletic class. training at Ithaca. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I just know I want to do something with sports because I like that environment. I like being around there. And so it literally just came down to the fact that I just felt better at Ithaca. Like I just liked the vibe that I was getting from them there, quote unquote, pass the vibe check, which I guess the kids are saying nowadays, Yeah, realizing I'm older, but- uh, and so I just went from there and I got into it and it just came easy to me and came natural to me and I just started enjoying it from the start and by the time I got accepted in and like retained essentially in our program my junior year, I was like this is something I can do for a while. So That's
1: super interesting because as communication students, I think every person in Park also applied to Syracuse. Thinking, you know, Ithaca or Syracuse. You, yeah, you try. You don't necessarily, house, you right? You don't necessarily hear that from the other majors, other <laughs> degrees. So that's really interesting.
0: Yeah, it was. It was kind of like because I'd always remember um, meeting with my coach, and he would always ask us how things are going, and I would have to have him sign a piece of paper that basically said, like, I they get me during football season, and then out of football season, athletic training comes first. So if I gotta go to other sports practices over football, I gotta go do that. it's on my own to make it up on the back end and so he would always ask me like you enjoy it i'm like yeah because each day is a puzzle and you never know what's going to walk through that door it's i was listening to i was watching shark tank the other night and i was like oh they don't know what's going to walk through that door and i'm like that's exactly what my life is like we don't know what's going to walk through that door and it's uh it never gets boring you know i'm not sitting at a cubicle i'm not sitting in an office like my brother is it's I'm outside in 90-degree out day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, shout out my brother, Kyle. But he's, uh, him and my brother, Jason, are both like computer science and business majors. And I'm like, yeah, no, I could not do that 24-7.
1: So we'll get to the maybe craziest things you've dealt with in your career thus far in a minute. But tell us, day-to-day, what do you find that you're treating the most?
0: It, uh, it all depends on what sport you're with and who you're working with. And okay. So,
1: Who do you work with most often?
0: So right I'm now? with the football team right now. I'm the resident athletic trainer with them. There's six of us on the staff. Um, you know, we have our director and our head, Brian, our senior associate, Chris, our associate, Scott, and then two assistants, Lydia and Cross. And so the six of us take care of all the football student athletes. So however many there are, there's somewhere 100 something guys on the team. We yeah, take big care team. of them. Yeah, big team. And then All the other sports typically, depending on the size, will have one athletic trainer. So they'll see something different. And it's just the nature of the sport, you know, when you think about it. A swimmer is going to have more shoulder chronic issues because they're going to be using their arms a lot more. But a track athlete is going to have more leg issues because they're going to be running a lot more. And so I'd say for football, we typically are going to see ankles, knees, a lot of lower body, and then a lot of just hard issues so like where they got hit concussions at times yeah the fun the trigger word that everyone hears but
1: yeah should we talk about, about concussion protocol no I'm just
2: <laughs> we can't i mean chris is the most qualified person we know to talk about it yeah i mean what actually what is your take on it or i mean what is it can we start with that because i hear it you know watching Allie and i were talking last episode about how like i'm fully bill's mafia now like i it, i'm not just watching to eat chicken wings although like i love chicken wings I know what's happening on the field most of the time, 80% of the time. But when they do the concussion protocol, like um, in Patrick the game Mahomes. against, yeah, I mean, Patrick Mahomes and in, in the Bills game against um, the Ravens, like, look at me. I know teams. Lamar Jackson. <laughs> I know athletes. What? You've come what's a
0: long me? way. A long come way. Such
2: a long way. Um, but they just say like, okay, oh, co- concussion protocol. Like what? Okay. They're taking the athlete off the field. What do they do?
0: So it, it's different at each level because each level has a different governing body. So the NFL has the NFL, the NFLPA, and their athletic trainers all got together with the collective bargaining agreement and have their own protocol. And I don't know much about that one. Um, I know bits and pieces of it, but I haven't worked in the NFL. So I don't we'll know have you exact back exact once you're
1: okay. uh, working for the Giants or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fair.
0: But um, at, you know, at the college level, it's typically is once you recognize that they're having a concussion and it varies from you know, institution to institution, but the NCAA has specific guidelines and the NATA our athletic trainers association put out guidelines of what are minimum, you know, this is the minimum requirements for your protocol to have. And it's all changing based on the research that's coming out. I mean, 10 years ago, it used to be just lock them in a dark room, tell them to sit there, you know, don't come out, check on them every hour. If they fall asleep, wake them up, make sure they're still breathing. And now it's no, sleep is good. You know, you can get them go with a little bit of light is okay, you know, low cognitive, maybe a little exercise. And it's all changing constantly. But, uh, you know, like you said, if someone gets a concussion, the first thing you do is if we recognize it, we'll go out in the field. Typically they're laying down or a teammate will say, hey, this guy's not doing too hot. We'll bring him into our medical tent. And then we have our team doctors, will evaluate them. And if the docs think that there's a concussion and even if it's on the fence, you know, it doesn't hurt to hold them out. Like why bother pushing someone back? It's a lot easier to make the safer decision and say, nope, you're done. Then force them out there and risk something catastrophic happen. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's always the saying error on the side of what's best for the student athlete. And that's what we're there for. So.
1: What's the average amount of time someone is removed for this, from the sport for a concussion?
0: It all depends. Um, I know it depends. But yeah, it depends like on the severity.
1: Average, but. like, what do you think the average severity is? Like, someone's out for a week, two weeks.
0: So you know, a couple days. It all it all depends on how. It's not so much the severity. You know, we're getting away from that mild, moderate, major. You know, concussion. It's not mild concussion. Isn't a thing. It's you got a concussion, and all depends on how fast your body heals and how fast you're able to get back to feeling as normal. Um, typically, I would say especially with the population that we're dealing with, where you're dealing with high level athletes uh, that are like the top, top tier, like there's a top 1% of all high school athletes and we're getting that top half a percent of that top 1%. And I would say probably about a week to 10 days, you're going to see typically on average them coming back. And that's just because they're doing the right things, taking care of themselves. They're already a lot of them already eating right, exercising, right. So their bodies are, that much better than what you say a normal person might be
1: yeah and okay here's my follow-up you might not like this question do you feel at your level that you see a lot of politics in it um because like there's no way question, Patrick Mahomes wasn't going to play against the bills like obviously he was going to play against the bills and I I would argue that he was fine to play against the bills I mean there was nothing in that game that didn't but you know, that's what the conversation in Buffalo all week was. Like, what is this weird con, you know, concussion protocol that like nobody really knows the ins and outs of it. And there were people on all different sides of the argument. And to me, it's just kind of a matter. I don't know about the collegiate level, but in the NFL, it's like, yeah, if your star quarterback like needs to play in a championship game, he's going to play in a championship game. There's too much money riding on that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's. So it's always, it always comes back to what I said, you know, we're there for the health and well being of the student athletes. We're there to keep them safe and allow them to do something they love at a high level. We want them to perform at a high level. We want them to succeed. So if a coach comes down screaming and yelling, you know, saying he's got to play and we're like, no, he can't. Cause he's got a concussion. You can't. And the NCAA has done a good job and they've come out in a lot of institutions, the big 10 especially came out um, just cause I've worked in the big 10. So I know more of their policies, versus other conferences, they come out and said what the athletic trainer says is final. Cause there I guess in years past there are instances in college levels where coaches might the athletic trainer will say he's out and the coach will be like, no, he's not and put him back in the game. It's like, no, if the athletic trainer pulls him out, they're out. They're done. Like that's it's over for them. You know, they're done for that day. Then you reassess and go from there. And so there's a lot of coaches are realizing like they can't bully or strong arm the athletic trainers. The athletic trainers are saying no, this kid's out, this is why we're the medical professionals. You know, we're not questioning you why you're running the ball versus passing the ball. We're telling you what our job is and we're telling you that in our best medical judgment, this guy's done. So
2: Final boss of the Exactly.
0: Field. And it's that just on good. the healthcare side, yeah.
2: <laughs> good that we're getting closer. I mean, like you said, Big Ten is, is doing a good job with that. So that's great to hear. Moving away from concussions specifically now, unless this answers the question that I have, what are some of the most common injuries that, you see i guess we can kind of go by sport you know most about football it sounds from playing and being part of that team so what are some of the most common things that you see
0: the common things are ankle sprains. you're going to see a lot of them in any sport that involves running or walking really um beyond that you know knees uh you're going to see a lot of the big ones are you know the acl but a lot of tendonitis overuse And uh, then other than that, it's going to be shoulders. It's a lot of where the weakest parts of the body, you're going to see low backs with football because they're lifting heavy weights, doing weird things with their bodies. Um, Wrestlers going to be more shoulders, track and field. If they're running track going to be more lower body field, you might have more upper body and some weird ones every now and then with flying objects. Those are always fun. And then uh, lacrosse. Same thing is going to be lower body, uh, a lot more Achilles ruptures with lacrosse I've noticed.
2: Yeah, how often do you have to break a student-athlete's heart and tell them, like, hey, you're out for the season?
0: Uh, <laughs> I it would all think depends. they probably
2: know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if it's – yeah, if something snaps or, you know.
0: Yeah. They're, if they're there's in physical a, pain, obviously, I'm exactly. sure. They, exactly. There's sure a good they chance they know already. There's a good chance, like Ali said, they know. And it's one of those things where your body is in shock because you don't know what's going on. Like, you kind of know. Like, even when I tore my – ACL I knew exactly what happened I was like I felt the pop classic I was like yep nope done like I knew it was done but I was just in shock and I was like you always get that glimmer of hope like maybe like just maybe you know everything that all these people are saying and these tests that have been scientifically proven to be as close to as accurate as possible maybe I'm that one percent that's wrong and then you get the MRI and you're like yeah no your your uh, ACL is gone and it's like yep and so it's uh Luckily, I don't have to do that with the football athletes, but uh, we have – actually our head does is he pulls them in and he has a whole way of talking to them, and it never gets easier. And it's always the team doctor, our orthopedic surgeons will often review the MRI and show them, like, this is what happened, this is what it is. But then it's always, this is how we're going to get you back. You know, we let them dwell, we let them sulk a little bit and soak it in, absorb it, and process the information because you're telling them, like, you're done for the year. And if it's a senior, they're, you know there's always a medical – pressure they could get. But even still, it's do they want to come back or are they done and going to move on with their career?
2: That's got to be really hard to hear. I know people from high school who were, you know, set to go to this school and play and then they got injured field hockey, couldn't couldn't do it, went to a totally different school, like career trajectory changing injuries. When
1: you are when that does happen, are you involved at all in the physical therapy process or that is like totally passed on to a PT and...
0: Yeah, um, so we do rehab. We are—that's one of our uh, core values that we have—is rehab. And you know, to go back to that first thing, what's the difference between a physical therapist and athletic trainer? I get that a lot. A physical therapist is designed specifically for rehab. Their whole career. And I have friends of mine who are great physical therapists, and they uh, their whole education is based on rehab and understanding rehab. And so, if you have someone who has a stroke, you know, you don't want to see an athletic trainer. You want to go see a physical therapist because they're going to be able to best rehab and get you back into activity and occupational therapists get you back into your daily livings and a speech language pathologist to learn how to speak again essentially and so you know combining all of those three that's where you want to go and see but for us if a guy if let's say I have a student athlete gets hurt injured and they're having surgery you know we'll get them in a couple of days later see how they're doing and then depending on the plan and depending on the surgeon's protocol we'll get them moving right there with us you know we're able to do rehab and that's one of the nice things about this as a physical therapist they're seeing them you know after surgery or after something happened we're there from the day it happened all the way through till they get back and catch that game winning touchdown we get to see it all the ups the downs the highs the lows and that's you know one of the more rewarding things
2: i want to ask about those lows actually is there any type of protocol for like mental health care for the student athletes that you guys do or is that something that like a different person or team takes care of
0: So yeah, so we, and I was lucky enough, um, especially at the D1 level, a lot of places have a sports psychologist on staff already. So, you know, here at Maryland, we have uh, two sports psychologists. And when I was at Indiana grad school, we had a sports psychologist and two PhD students who worked under and saw student athletes. So there's a whole sports psychology department, and we work in conjunction with them. And so there's it's kind of like a, a four team approach. There's a the sports medicine staff, your strength and conditioning staff, your sports psychology staff and your sports nutrition staff. And so when someone gets injured and we're saying like, Hey, like this is what's going on. We'll reach out to sports psychologists to say, Hey, are they meeting with anyone? Reach out to them, see how they're doing. And we'll reach out to sports nutritionists. Cause especially if you're like, you're an offensive lineman, you're, you know, used to eating three 5,000 calories a day with all the activity you're doing, you then hurt yourself and you're not being as active. You don't need to be eating as much. And so mm-hmm. we don't want them to gain weight that's not needed. So we'll cut them back, get them on the right diet to help them not only heal faster, but also not gain as much bad weight, as they say.
1: Can you, this might be a dumb question. What's the difference between a sports psychologist and a regular psychologist?
0: So a sports psychologist, um, and I'm going to I have good sports psychologist friends, and they're going to bash me for it. So don't, if I get it wrong, it's don't. Okay. Uh, but don't come for coach, him. I mean, is yeah, it just a matter of
1: concentrating on athletes? Or? Yeah, I,
0: I believe so. It's it has to do with their degrees that they get, and you know, the sports psychologists are typically more. There's two different routes. There's, um, you know, sports psychologists from the sense of their performance base you know if someone's having the mental block the yips in baseball or constantly missing a free throws you know getting through that and then there's the psychology aspect of mental health eating disorders depression anxiety all those things and they cover both of them so they're able to not only help you perform better on the field if you're missing free throws or scared to take a shot or you know first day running after a surgery like trusting that body part again but also you know you have a tragedy or you're having some anxiety you're having you know, just overall mental health issues, they're able to help you on that and get you in the right direction. And that's one of the best things about working with them is we're able to recognize it and we're able to get them to the best help and the best quality care that they need.
2: Okay, I don't think that was a stupid question. That was a good question. No,
0: it's no stupid <laughs> okay. questions. Oh,
2: yeah.
0: Hopefully I answered it right. It's I, it's more on their end I guess of, I
2: would be curious it. to talk to a
1: sports psychologist and just um, like interesting- interested in what their, um, educational background is as opposed to a regular psychologist. Like what does that training, that preparation look like? Is it, is it like a regular psychology degree plus just a certain amount of time, like looking at athletes specifically, or is it, is there like a fork there somewhere where it's a little bit of a different course study? I don't know.
0: Yeah, great question. I, I'm sorry, I don't have the, if off the knows, top of my head. <laughs> if anyone come knows come talk to us. I can uh I'll I'll ask one of my uh some of my friends and okay, sports cool. psychologists we have and we'll see what they say.
2: Cool. Okay, let's go now to some anecdotal moments, story time, if you can answer this question, uh, which is what if you've had if you've had this happen, what has been the most rewarding moment of your career so far? Hmm.
0: I'd say I've had a few of them. Um, you know, there's That means you're in the where, right place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's times it's kind of like that reassurance of where you know, like you did the right thing and you caught it and you handled it right. And you're looking back on and you're like, I wasn't really having to think that mile. And it's kind of like a weird thing to, to say, but you know, there was a time where I was in Indiana in grad school and a, uh, a diver from another team had to uh, actually hit their head on the diving platform, and so yeah,
2: it's my greatest fear watching diving at the Olympics. <laughs> I feel like you actually might have told me about this. I feel
1: like I might, I might have, have, heard have
0: this story. Keep I ahead. but they uh, yeah they were diving at a meet and they hit their head, and so they went unconscious and essentially scalped themselves. And so we uh, lifeguard jumped in, pulled them out, and I was there helping you know stabilize their C spine. Uh, cause we weren't sure if they what the issue was there cause extra vision and uh, don't have it sadly want it, but don't have it one <laughs> day, one day. But, uh, one day. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was holding their head and I was working with the EMTs there to help get them, you know, stabilize, calm down, get them in the rig and to the hospital and contact their parents and everything. And, looking back on it, you know, after any incident like that, there's always a review of what happened, especially when EMS is activated. There's always a review of, okay, this is when they're activated. This is when they came and kind of going through like what could be done better. And there's always a learning process. And that was one of the ones where I went back and I, you know, looked through it all. And I was like, I don't think I would have changed anything about it. And I got told by, at the time, you know, my boss there, the associate athletic trainer and the head athletic trainer, like, yeah, you handled it really well. And to even have the parents of that diver, you know, reach out to me personally and say, thank you so much for what you did. It was kind of one of those moments I was like, yeah, this is, yeah, I like this. <laughs> it's fun, as weird as it is.
1: Well, that's scary. That's terrifying. Yeah.
0: I'm but picturing you, it in my
1: head and I'm I don't want getting to. crazy.
2: <laughs> that must have been, yeah. I mean, I guess it's it's good that, it's great that there's a, to hear there's a learning element of every situation that you guys actually go through and and help treat because there's always I agree that there's always something to be learned but um yeah I I bet it's that kind of like fight or flight thing that might deter I mean you tell me if, if you feel this way Chris if it's it's that kind of moment where you do have to spring into action that deters people from athletic training and make someone who's maybe interested in exercise science as a whole go for something closer to occupational therapy, physical therapy, you know, some something like that, because that just must be so I don't know how I would react in those type of situations. I know how some of my family members would. My dad used to be a firefighter, so I've seen him in situations like that where he'll just like spring into action and i don't know if personally i could do that (laughs) so props to you do you think that you
1: are always even keel and that's what helps you get through those situations or do you think there's like an adrenaline rush and that's what is the difference baker
0: it's uh i would say it's a little both but it's it has to go back to what you know we practice as athletic trainers, and something I take personally is it's what I like to call the seven P's of life. You know, prior proper planning prevents piss poor performance, and so we go through whenever oh, we get to any place. I like yeah, it. yeah. Wait, say uh,
2: say that one more time.
0: Prior proper planning prevents piss poor performance, and so make like a graphic. <laughs> there you go. Seven P's of life. Uh, it's one of those things where wherever we go, we always review the emergency action plans. So any building, anytime our team's practicing somewhere, there is an emergency action plan for that building. So whether we're on the first floor, the second floor, inside, outside, wherever it is, there's a plan of, this is where the ambulance is going to come in. This is where they're going to go. This is who's going to take care of this, who's going to take care of that. And we review it. And so we've planned, we talk talked through, like, obviously we're not going to have someone hit their head on the diver for that diving board for that instance, but we talked through with the lifeguards. We've talked through with the EMTs. I was actually talking to EMTs maybe 30 seconds before it happened, you know, just to see how things were going and get to. So the friendly because when that happens, you want to be able to know, call them by a first name and understand them and say, hey, this is what do you need me to do. How can I help type of a thing? And so we always review it ahead of time. So when it hits the fan, you're not panicking and freaking out because that's what everyone else's job is. The athlete's job is they're going to freak out because they're like, their life's over, their career's not – that's drastic to say, but like their careers over to them, it's their life because that's all they know is, you know, I just broke my leg. Oh my God, my career is over. And to them, their identity is being an athlete. And then now you have that injury. And so we have to stay calm because we don't need them freaking out and you can't freak out because if you're holding someone's neck, you don't want to be shaking terribly. You got to remain calm, cool, collective, and just trust the process, you know, and they say smooth is, was is, is Slow is smooth and smooth is fast. And so, you know, you don't want to rush anything. You want to take it slow, and the slower you go, is going to be the smoother you go, and the smoother you go, is going to be the faster you go. And so, just staying level-headed and just being prepared, and like I've, you know, I've probably seen it on my Twitter bios. Luck is where preparation and opportunity meet, and so just stay where you're, be prepared, and you know, you'll have that opportunity, and that's where people say, "Oh, you got lucky," and it's like, ah, I was prepared, and I knew the opportunity was going to be okay.
2: I didn't hear that saying until like maybe the summer of like 2020. And I lo- I'm i obsessed with it now, I love mm-hmm. it. I'm like, oh yeah, there really is like, cause I-, I mean, whether you believe in God, we don't have to get into that today, but you know, divine intervention, that's like a cool thing. But I also like to, you know, give myself credit for things that I know I have like made happen for myself. And I think that is another way of that luck is when preparation, where preparation meets opportunity. So what do you do to stay level-headed then as you're kind of, like you said, preparation, you review all these materials, you have the proper training, you you know everyone and you trust everyone. Is there anything you do day-to-day, like meditation, working out, you know, cooking? What do you do to stay chill?
0: Uh, for me personally, I've started working out again. It's uh, something that I, I just find relaxing and it's a lot easier, you know, if you're able to especially when you're dealing, you know, I'm dealing with athletes that are 340, 350 pounds, and here I got to help them hold a leg or, you know, move them or roll them or something. I got to be able to at least move mm-hmm. someone of it. True. And I found that it helps a lot easier. But um, I would say just, it's kind of just goes back to our education. You know, we were always taught of like, if you review what's going on, your understanding and not just understanding of Oh, we do this because X, Y, and Z but understanding why this is that, you know, why does the ACL, what for an ACL, for an example, you know, an ACL tears, well, what is the ACL's job? It's to help prevent your lower leg, your tibia moving on your femur, and it's to prevent it moving anteriorly. So what's one way we can test that is doing a Lachman's test where you pull the tibia forward and if it's loose and there's no end field, then you know it's torn. And so just understanding the why behind everything and then just running through scenarios and going through it of like what would you do here and case examples of okay this is what happened at this school if this is what they did what would we have done differently how would we've handled it here and just constantly reviewing constantly trying to better yourself and it's just uh, to me, whenever I see an injury of like something happened, I go looking for the video of like, oh, let's see what happened and try and see like it's kind of weird, like the Kevin Ware injury. I went out just turning away and I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. What happened over there? I was definitely
2: like, <laughs> oh, my Oh I'll almost. never forget because that was
1: on Easter. I remember watching the game and I didn't see it when it first happened. And we had a living room full of family. And so I kept rewinding it and playing it <laughs> and I wasn't seeing it. And I was like, owie, owie. Stop! <laughs> Someone's vomiting in the corner. Turn and then all off. of a sudden, I saw it and I said, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, but you looked uh,
2: at that with different eyes because of your of your yeah. athletic training background. You're like, "Oh, so this is how they did this." And what did you think of that? How, what was your review of, of how they handled that?
0: Oh, they handled it great. You know, it, I actually, I a couple of years ago at Indiana, I got to talk to one of the guys uh, that's in charge of the emergency action plan for the NCAA tournament when they hosted it in Indy. And uh, he was there for that day, and they said that they it went, everything went off without a hitch. They practiced ahead of time. They communicated everything ahead of time, and they understood that they were going to be working on, you know, this, this emergency crew was for the floor and the team only. So if someone in the first row were to go down, they weren't going to respond to that. They were going to respond to the athletes. And so just having a designated plan of operation, and it all goes back to communication.
1: Lovely. All right. Okay, last question. What have you learned in your career that you wish you would have known as a student athlete? Uh,
0: that's that's a hard one because you know being an undergrad athletic training major, you work with athletes. So, you know, you said you always saw me in the library. I would say my other place I always lived was in an athletic training clinic. And even classmates of mine will agree, like. They were wondering, did I have a bed set up in the back storage room or something? Because of how <laughs> often they saw me in there. Um, and it only got worse once I tore my AC out. They were like, you live in here. And I'm like, I know. It's fun. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but um, i say one of the biggest things is more geared to younger athletes in the high school setting is just know what your athletic trainer is there for and understand that they can help you. And if you're hurting, go see them because too often you'll have individuals where I had teammates of mine in high school who didn't want to go see the athletic trainer or they were scared that the athletic trainer was going to hold them out and tell them no. And when I worked at a high school, I had that with the athletes I was working with. They're like, oh, we did not want to tell you this because we knew we were going to hold you out. And I'm like, I'm never going to hold you out just to hold you out. I'm going to do what's best for your health and well-being. And, you know, we're not there just to get you to play on that Friday night, that Saturday, that Sunday game. We're there to get you to be able to play with your kids on a Friday, Sunday, 30, 40 years down the line. You know, in the grand scheme of things, you're 22 years old. You just tore your ACL. You know, second time, is it great for you to come back? Is it a great idea? Uh, depends. What are your goals are? If you want to go to the NFL, then probably, sure, try to give it a shot. But if your goal is just to leave an active lifestyle, then why don't we have the surgery, rehab it? But probably not going to come back to football we want you to have a knee that in 10 years you don't need to have a total knee replacement at 30 we want you to be able to run with your grandkids at 75 and that's kind of one of the biggest things is we're not there to we're never going to do something just to do something we're always going to have a reason why and we're always going to do it in your best interest for not only that day and that week but for lifelong career health
2: love it i don't know about you Ally, but when i was in high school the athletic trainer's office was like Popping. Yeah, a I was place gonna say to that be. was everyone was North always there. High school. I, really I mean, cool it smelled like shit
1: because it was right across well. from the <laughs> football locker, locker room. room. <laughs> but everyone, her name was Steph. Everyone, well, actually, there were two. Steph. I think Steph went on maternity leave at one point or something like that. And then there was, uh, I think his name was Darren, who maybe was I don't know. I'm not gonna say anything bad. Everybody loved him, but he was like a a blonde. <laughs> Like in every sense of the word. But yeah, no, no, no. The trainer's room was always a fun place to be. There was always, maybe it was kind of in the locker rooms, but I just think like a party, music,
2: but like some bad smells and a lot of ice. Ice and everyone (laughs) wanted and everything rolled out. Like before, after practice, there was, I, I didn't really go into the trainer's room. I didn't know what it was until I did track and field and that's when i was like oh all these runners have shin splints that's why they're going to roll before practice and it was just like a whole different vibe in there but yeah it was kind of like a party with the the ice bath after practice (laughs) i've never taken an ice bath i like i can't do it (laughs) it hurts so much i have this like i didn't have an ice bath option in high school oh we there were some athletes who only like the top the top tier uh distance runners are the ones who i saw go in it but i'm sure some of the football players and stuff there were very specific athletes who were really good in my high school but the teams themselves it depended on the sport but i have this like uh i think it's like an autoimmune thing called raynauds have you heard Mm -hmm. of it (laughs) it's like my blood doesn't flow to my fingers and and toes the way that it should so sometimes this it happens more to my feet and that's why i didn't want to put my feet in an ice bath because it just like hurts um if i just start walking in the cold my feet like there's no blood flow in my feet so i'll uh, if i like pulled off my shoe and sock you'd see that three of my toes were just like white it looks very strange (laughs) and it hurts (laughs) but um every woman in my family has this so just white people things <laughs> <laughs> but anyway ice bath aside our athletic trainer was uh this guy named hayburn everyone called him habes and there was always two people studying under him like you did that would come in and out and they were the coolest people mm-hmm. everybody wanted to talk to them so yeah i had good athletic training experiences growing up and i'm glad that now you're off in the universe giving those experiences to young and old student athletes alike
0: yeah it's uh it's fun I will say one thing you did correct yourself without even realizing it but uh it's athletic trainer not trainer so yes that's one of the biggest things I will say She's yeah. looking at me kind of weird she's like what wait what what's the difference but it's uh whenever you say trainer people will always we always like to joke they'll be like oh they're so like, is there a trainer? When, whenever an athlete says, "Oh, is there a trainer around?" or like, what dolphin trainer, horse trainer? He's like, <laughs> he likes to train crabs because it, it's athletic trainer is what it's is what it's called. And so that's one of the biggest things is getting people to avoid and retraining them. To say instead of screaming trainer, you know, it's athletic, athletic training. Trainer. That's what we're trying to get.
2: Yes, yeah, I think until I was in, I don't know if we had. Do you, do are there athletic trainers for middle schools?
0: There's athletic trainers all over the place. Um, okay. Middle schools, high schools. You know, everyone thinks of the classic athletic trainer in a sports setting, but there's athletic trainers with the fire department, police department. Uh, I believe the Radio City of Rockettes have an athletic trainer with them. Ooh, that's uh, cool. There's athletic I would best yeah.
1: bet every Broadway production has A one. lot of
0: them have it, yeah. And uh, getting that's in true. even more like uh, performing arts of orchestras and bands, uh, marching bands have them. Uh, what else is getting out there? Uh, warehouses, a lot of warehouses and factories are starting to get them and the military is one of the more exploding fields recently where people are realizing the military is realizing like, Hey, these colleges have something where they have a strength and conditioning coach, athletic trainer, you know, sports psychologists getting these group of people around as a sports wellness, well, an athlete wellness or a military wellness group and getting platoons of people through. And it's something that a lot of people and a lot of research has actually shown that it helps save money, um, especially, And like the workforce workers' comp, it it actually can help decrease costs. And especially in the high school setting, you get an athletic trainer in there and they can save the school department, like the people that live there and the school itself, a lot of money, especially the parents, because they don't have to go to an ER. They don't have to go make doctor visits and helps take out some of the cuts of the ER. You know, how often people roll their ankle, like, oh, go get an x-ray. It's like, well, do you need an x-ray? And so that's one of the biggest things we're helping to prevent injuries, but also help decrease the cost across the board. Because who wants to go spend a Saturday in an ER if they don't need to?
2: Right. It makes so much sense. I think for most industries to have someone dedicated to, like you said, the the health and well being of the people in that industry, and not just for right now, but for their lifetime. So that's great. All right. Well, I you answered all my questions. So Allie, if you got any more, no. I think we're good here. Chris, it has been so great to hear from you and catch up with you, obviously. Um, So thank you for coming on our show.
0: I'm glad to come.
2: If the people want to reach out to you,
1: can they?
0: Yeah, um, you know, Chris R. Durr on Twitter and then just Chris Durr on Instagram. I don't think anyone uses Facebook anymore. So Thanks yeah, for being our first
1: follow on Twitter. <laughs> I was just gonna we have a total of like ten followers on Twitter. You I were tweet the first probably one once every three days. Months before <laughs> there was anything there.
0: But well, I think I was one of the you sent out that like listening one way, way back uh, when you first started this. The like Oh, test oh
1: yeah, you were part of our test. And
0: I was like, Oh yeah, let me give it a listen. I was like, all right, this is actually good. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, this reminds me exactly like the college days. I'm, like, just sitting there listening to Allie and Sam tell a crazy story about <laughs> something that happened. And then I could picture, like, if you remember Alex back in sophomore year. I remember, like, oh, we yeah. would all go over to Emerson. and just like, all right. Yep, this is exactly how it was. Dana, Sam, Allie, just ripping on stories.
1: It was a circus of people in that apartment. In that – yeah, it wasn't an apartment. In that dorm.
2: <laughs> good times. Good times. Once again, thank you to Chris Durr good friend of ours for coming on the show and telling us all about his athletic training background and the differences between being an athletic trainer and different types of trainers like physical therapists and personal trainers that was um very eye-opening for some me someone who used trainer as kind of synonymous with like any type of trainer so now I know not to do that because it's a undermining some of the qualifications that these athletic trainers have. So thank you for listening to this episode of Unfit, a healthy-ish podcast. Make sure you like, rate, review, and subscribe. Of course, we are on Instagram at the Pod, Twitter, TikTok, and pretty much anywhere else you can get some content. So uh, that's all I got. We'll catch you guys next week with a new episode. Peace out. Toodaloo.